prize for you. Chris and Carrie are going to uh, what? join us up here. What? What? Carrie's here? I don't know how many of you have been paying attention. Today is Chris's birthday. Yes, it is. Seven layer chocolate chiffon cake. <laughs> that looks so good. Also, while we're waiting for Chris and Carrie to come on out, um, we are going to have a QA session. Um, we do have some people. Where did Sean go? There she is over there. We have some um, index cards. And if anybody has any questions that they would like to ask about the Better Prosperity Project, um, please write them down. And um, then hand them off to Shauna or someone who's on and say, hey, you want to give it, uh, be your part? We would um, love to hear your questions. We get questions every time we do an event. We get questions every day on our website. Yes, sure. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll tell them that. Okay. Chris is going to do a speech first, and then we'll do. Yes. I think Chris. Chris is going to speak first, and then we'll. Okay. Perfect. And I'll adjust it. Okay. Good. Sometimes I have to cry it out of his hands. Um, and he sparks a passion in each and every one of you There's, that will have you some. wanting to be a part of something that is history in the making. And Carrie, uh, he's just as cute when he comes on stage, too. <laughs> Chris has put on thousands of miles, not just in Alberta, but elsewhere as well. He is a household name and his popularity grows. Uh, he knows there are people who are still fighting for their lives, their livelihoods, their futures, and so much more. He advocates for that. He inspires others to do that as well. He advocates for truth. He advocates for kindness. He advocates for understanding those who have a different perspective. And I can tell you firsthand that his burgers, they're top notch. Pretty amazing as well. 
Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Chris Scott from the Whistle Stop Cafe in Maryland. and for singing happy birthday. Um, I can't think of a better way to spend my birthday than to uh, speak to some folks from, actually this is the area where my family's from. So my great-grandma and grandpa, uh, Leo and Madeline Mann, they actually live like 14 miles from town here. And I didn't get to visit the farm very much when I was little, but I've been there a few times. And it actually, every time I think of the prairies, I think about the sights and the smells and the, just the way I felt on the farm. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And I think that's what, I grew up in BC and I think that that farm was the reason why I always feel at home in Alberta. I just, uh, I mean BC is a beautiful place. I, I lived on Vancouver Island, grew up in Kamloops and there really isn't another place in Canada that's quite that beautiful as the island. And I thought when I moved to Alberta, I was going to really miss the island, which I do, but I find now when I go out there, I spend some time visiting, and I miss Alberta, I want to come home. And believe me, there's a lot of people who are finding Alberta is their home. They're moving here from other provinces. Uh, lady actually, here's a funny story. Jessica and I went to my house to check on my cats. And there was a lady in the neighbor's front yard and we knew that the, the house had sold. It sold within a week or two weeks of being listed. And I said, hey, that's a pretty cool member of a small French minority church you got there. And she's like, well, thank you. I got it from you. <laughs> oh. oh, okay. So it turned out that it was a lady that had talked with on the phone maybe four or five weeks earlier, because uh, she hadn't received her order, so I got her order out to her, and she said something about where she was living was just, they were nuts. The things that were happening, the things that people were saying, and how they were treating people was terrible. And I said, well, you know what, why don't you come to Alberta? Because we're doing something here that isn't being done anywhere else, and we have a really good shot at it. There's a lot of like-minded folks, and this movement is building. And she said, yeah, so anyway, this is the, that lady moved into the house next to me from two provinces over. And she didn't realize it was my house until she looked in my backyard from her backyard and saw the little horse that is all of my lives. And she's like, that's, that's Chris's horse. Anyway, yes, people are finding Alberta as their new home. And when they arrive here, they realize that it's not just their new home, they are home. This is home, and it's not the uh, it's not our resources or our beautiful lakes or our prairies or anything like that that make it home. It's the people. It's you, folks. I can't say you people. Can I? You yes. Can. Yes. <laughs> Love <Love-tong>, Sherry. <laughs> <laughs> so we have something really great in this province. Something that people from all over Canada want and they need. And a lot of them don't realize that they either want it or need it until they come here and they experience it. And they really 
this is home because we're different here. And I really think that's something we need to protect. Um, our politicians, our political parties have not been doing that. They haven't been doing the things that need to be done to protect our home. And I say that as somebody, I guess I'm a, I guess you could say I'm an, I'm an immigrant to Alberta because I, I was born on Vancouver Island, raised in Kamloops and lived on the island and I moved here. So I'm not a, I'm not a first generation Albertan, although my family's from here. I really believe we need to protect this. And it weighs very heavily on my shoulders knowing that Alberta's probably the only province at this point that can, that can accomplish this. And knowing that, people ask me the question all the time, how the heck do you keep going? Why don't you take some downtime? You need a break. Like, you're going to burn yourself out. And I keep thinking to myself, we don't have time. I don't have time to go on a vacation. I don't have time to think about taking a day off or not going and doing these things because we're facing something really, really critically dangerous. Now, there's probably a lot of people out there who think, are thinking or maybe screaming at their computer screen saying, what are you so worried about? We live in a free country. Just follow the rules. Well, let me tell you something. If your government can take away your rights and your freedoms and your privileges, privileges or your liberty, liberties as they please without justifying it in the first place, are you really free? Now, you might not know that until you experience it, as I did, because I was the most apathetic, politically Canadian uh, in this country before this happened, before something affected me. But once I realized what was going on, and once I saw the potential for this to happen to other people, I knew that there is no rest for me until we either do or die. So that's why I'm here today, and that's why I'm involved with the APP. Because it has to be something besides the politicians. Politicians, they, uh, they, they do what they think is going to get them elected or re-elected. I was so angry at Jason Kenney for quite some time because of what his government was doing to me and the people around me. And, well, my people around me, people all over the province, what they were doing. But when he spun around and he defended the removal of restrictions and taking masks off children after Coots and during the Ottawa combo, I realized it was never Jason Kenney that I should have been upset with. It was myself. Because Jason Kenney is a politician, and any other politician for that matter, except for some that we're seeing now, they did what they thought was going to get them the most votes. And it didn't matter if it was the right thing. As soon as Kenny realized that Alberta was standing up and they had enough, all of a sudden he is the, you know, he's fighting for the kids to keep their masks off. Do teachers want to take us to court over this? Fine. We'll stick up for the children. Why? They'll tell you because it's the right thing to do and the science supports it. But what they really mean is we're doing it because the polls tell us if we do this, you'll vote for us. That's what it was all about. And they're looking to be your MLAs or even your premiers.
logical, best laid plan that offers a real, attainable solution that's both plausible and probable. And even the politicians are starting to notice. They're starting to realize that they want to get you to vote for them. They better get behind her in front of this parade we're creating. So it is working. Now I got a little off track here. I wanted to share a quick story for you with you. I worked in South America. I worked in Colombia for uh, just under two years or something like that. Maybe it was, I don't know, 18, 19, 20 months or something. And I flew into the capital city, uh, Bogota. And Bogota is a very rich city, but it's also extremely poor. The difference between the rich and the poor in Colombia is mind-blowing. I mean, we're talking people driving Ferraris and living in beautiful, lavish houses to people that literally live in a shack in the jungle, and all they have is a, uh, a Wi-Fi router, because everybody has internet, because the government got it to them, and a TV. Other than that, it's a shack, and there's chickens running around, and, and they have fun, and they go play soccer, and they do the thing with their family. But the differences are very stark. Now, to the north of Colombia, have you ever heard of a place called Venezuela? <laughs> Venezuela was a beautiful, is a beautiful, was a very wealthy country at one point. Until some Marxist ideologies infiltrated their way into that country. And in 11 years, Venezuela went from almost a world superpower in, in resources to people fighting in the streets over food and eating their dogs. And you might be saying, oh, that was all made up in the media, that's all fake, that's all fake. Here's where the story gets interesting. I flew into Bogota, Colombia, and then I flew to uh, uh, Bucaramanga, was one of the places. And in my travel from there to my office in uh, San Alberto, I had the unique experience to drive past the families, thousands of people, walking from Venezuela to Ecuador through Colombia, because they had to abandon their country, their homes. They had to abandon the place where, when they went on vacation, they, they missed Venezuela. They wanted to go home because it's home. Just like Alberta's home to us. I saw those people walking every shift. And eventually, uh, some of them made their way to the town where I was working. And I recall one day it was fairly quiet on, on the road that went off and you know, to the sticks, to the rigs. And the next day, there's a bunch of land cleared. And there's tents popping up. And little chants. I said to my assistant, what the heck is going on here? And he said, the Venezuelans are here. They need places to stay. They've been walking for months to get to Ecuador, but they, some of them have to stop. And so this went on for a few days, and it got worse. Then there was some crime that was happening in town because people were desperate. Their kids were, were starving. And then one day there's chairs popped up alongside the road, and there's these young girls sitting there. I said, Francisco, Because it had to be 
11 years. You look up the statistics, and it's not just poor people that fled Venezuela. We're talking about doctors and lawyers and dentists and, and people of high position. Now reduced to living in slums in other countries, and, you know, the, the mother in the family prostituting to pay the bills that are not even the bills. And when we start handing people 
whatever they want and not expecting them to do any kind of work for it, we're doomed. We are doomed. Now please don't confuse this as some sort of a, a dig against social programs because I believe social programs are very important. I mean, there's a lot of people in our society or that we know in our lives, they really can't take care of themselves. They can't help themselves. That's our responsibility to help those people. It's our responsibility to take care of them, right? Because that's what human beings do for each other. We help each other. By our own nature, we don't. We're not comfortable seeing other humans left behind for the most part. That's our responsibility. We gave that responsibility up to the government a long time ago because, well, it's just easier and we're all too busy, right? So now, every time, I can go on and on and on about this, but I'm just going to give one example. Every time we fail to do what we should, we're supposed to be doing for our fellow man or fellow woman um, and give that up to the government, we allow corruption to fester. And it tears the fabric of our society. We say, okay, we want the government, we want the government to deal with uh oh, a The government needs to save the planet. <clears throat> they plan support, right? We live here, we've got to take care of it. We have to make sure we don't ruin it, right? So we need to recycle. We need to reduce, reuse, and recycle. Those are all very good things. The, the idea of sorting your uh, So, here's what we're going to do. We, as the government, I'm speaking as the government right now, I'm not really the government, you can tell because I'm not wearing a suit, I'm wearing a wet beard. <laughs> we, as the government, we're going to take a little bit more tax from you, but because we have to. And by us taking some more tax from you, you can be happy knowing that we're going to implement recycling programs in Alberta. We're going to save the planet, and you should feel virtuous for it. You should be grateful to us for taking a little bit more money from for your children, who we care about so much that we don't even bother to see why they're probably dead. That was a dig at the government. <laughs> so don't feel bad about the extra taxes you're paying, and Calgarians, don't feel bad about the extra municipal taxes you're paying and, and being forced to recycle, reduce, and reuse because you're being virtuous. You're saving the planet. Sounds great, right? And if you put this policy in effect that says 
people have to pay for this, and they have to do it by law. You have to wash your tin cans and your plastic and separate it by law. Otherwise, you're going to get fined, maybe go to jail. So government, if you put in these policies, we'll give you a whole bunch of money to help your campaign, and we will we'll encourage them to vote for you. And the government says, well, that's a great idea. We can be virtuous and save the planet and get millions of dollars from these rich people who want to support us and help. instead of 
It is each and every one of our fault. So what does that mean? What do we have to do when we make a mess? Clean it up. We have to clean it up. That's what this is about. This movement is how we clean up the mess that we've created. And it's a big one. This movement where thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of Albertans come together for common cause, knowing that there's a mess we have to clean up, and the only way we can do it is to completely shut out every part of the establishment that's, that's built this structure to do this to us and do something new, something that's never been done before. This is way, way bigger than, oh, do we vote UCP or Wild Rose or, or Independence Party? This is bigger than that. This, what we're doing here, this is, we are the group that is going to make those parties do the right thing. And that's been a very common question in the last little while. Chris, which party do you support? She's giving me the which party do you support? You know what my answer is? No. I support any party in which the candidates are doing things for the right reason. Oh, and I'm really wrong. <laughs> and acknowledges that we're not getting into this unless we stand up on our own as a province, leading by example, setting the example for every other good person in this country. And we say, enough is enough. We are done with your corrupt policies that have turned us into slaves. We are done with all of your rich friends getting richer off of our backs. We're done. And we will stand up and we will be the most prosperous nation on the planet. And people will flock here more than they are now because this is home. And all of these scare tactics about, oh, nobody will trade with us. Oh, we can't move our resources. Oh. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> That's something that Dennis and Tanner are very, very good at speaking on. Um, neither of which are here tonight, I've noticed. Tanner, as you, you know, what's going on, Tanner? Failing in their duty to pay attention to what's going 
friends and neighbors and stand up for them. And I'm having a really hard time containing my emotion about it, even though I don't have any emotions, apparently. <laughs> so yeah, that's all I have for tonight, and it has nothing to do with the speech that I prepared in my head on the drive up here. Um, but I hope you enjoyed it. And if you have any questions, make sure you write them down on those little cards. And if they don't get answered tonight, they will most likely Yes, 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 yes. Uh, first off, Chris, you are being extremely kind when you're telling the truth. We don't like to hear the truth, but when the truth is told, that's kindness. Thank you. We're going to pass the donation up around. Um, the Upper Prosperity Project is getting to be a pretty big organization, and we run on donation and membership sales. So.
if climate change is a hoax or not, okay? So here's my take on it. Climate change will now be a trillion dollar industry that's going to be taking place, well, immediately, if not within the very close foreseeable future. How does that work? How is it possible that climate change could be that much of an industry? Well, I'll tell you. If you're an oil company, and I'm going to dumb it down, down for me, that's the way I do it. If you're an oil company and you've, you're allocated, let's say, 10,000 credits in order to actually produce carbon or not produce carbon or however they do it, they do it. So you're, you're a company and you go over 10,000 credits, you can now go to another company, company B, which is less than 10,000 credits, and you can give them money in order to offset the number of credits you have. Let's just transpose that a little bit more. Instead of you're a company, you're now a person, as we all are. And we decide that there's going to be a carbon allowance put out tomorrow towards us. That's carbon-based life. Yeah. Charlie. 
but we have Google. We've got problems. And these problems are stemming from government policy that's being implemented or adopted that makes a certain class or group of people extremely wealthy and another class, which is all the rest of us, poor and poor and poor. Greg's always done, already done a very good uh, job of letting us know how banks are literally sticking it to us. All of the wealth around the entire globe will eventually be gobbled up by the banks and by a select few individuals. That's the way the structure is right now. If you, uh, I was just uh, talking to Trent earlier, you mentioned how years ago the, the family farm, the land was you know, 500 bucks a quarter or something like that. And it was all paid off, no bank control, everything was, was done. And then the family sells it, somebody else gets a mortgage, they pay more, a lot more money for the land, and now the bank owns land again. The system we're in, the structure we're in, and what the WEF is, is basically advocating for is where you own nothing and you're happy. Where you cannot own anything. Right now, what's the average price of a quarter in Provost right now? Does anybody know what's talking about? Just yell it out. Quarter section of land in Provost. Any ideas? There was three
That's where that money's going. So if you want to be able to service your mortgage on your farm or your house, why don't we start by, what's the term? Draining the swamp? Draining the swamp. Yeah, I've heard why don't we start by draining the swamp and changing the structure? Do we have a swamp? We have a swamp. Oh, we have a swamp. And we have some swamp donkeys in there too. I'll tell you that right now. That's where we start. That's where we start. We start with the people that are literally getting rich and wealthy and powerful off of your back and making you think that by that happening, you're being virtuous for it. The APP is proposing um, a government that has only nine portfolios. Nine, that's it. A government that's job is to regulate, not to interfere. It's not the government's job to tell me how to cook hamburgers. It's their job to say, hey Chris, you need to follow these steps to make sure that um, you're, you're putting out good quality stuff to folks and people don't get sick from your food. You need to make sure that your food is at this temperature, blah, blah, blah. That's the type of thing government has to do. And that's what the APP is proposing. Get rid of all of that. No, the government's not going to... Oh, man, they're, they're everywhere. They're involved in everything. Every aspect of our lives. And so I guess that, does that answer the question? Yeah, that answers. And what I was going to say is that, that how long have you been involved in anything like APP or political or anything like that? Just uh, since the moment I was born, believe it or not. Yes, I just didn't know it. So, oh, well, that's why. So for me, I didn't get involved until it actually affected me, until I lost my arm and, you know, I was kind of thrust into this... This whole thing really is what ended up happening. And the first conversation, one of the first conversations with Chris was, you know, was not about. So, what's the charter say about this? It's like we were just two normal people. Are we still normal people? <laughs> <laughs> Having a conversation about how crazy the world was going, and now we're both political advocates. Your education, I'm more on the, I guess, the politics side. You're, you're what? I'm politics. No, but say political. I That's interesting you said that though because, and the reason I said I was involved from the day I was born, because from the minute I was born, I was government property. Yes. And I'm not, this isn't some big conspiracy, oh the government, whatever, what, what I mean to say is, every aspect of your life, from the time you were born, until the time you die, Every aspect, there's either control or interference by the government. Birth certificate, driver's license, social insurance number, marriage certificate, death certificate, divorce certificate, marriage certificate again, divorce certificate again, marriage one more time. That's the last one. Next one's a book. I can't say that. Next one's death certificate. Yeah, death certificate. But everything, registration, um, schooling, every part of your life is influenced or affected or blatantly interfered by politics. And we, sit, we, we tell each other, oh, well, I don't want to be involved in politics. You know, you just have your APP over there and I'll just, I'm going to Cabo. I'm sorry, but the, if you're one of those people who thinks that you're, you can just go through life and not be involved, you're wrong because you're already involved. What happens when the government says you can no longer go to Cabo? Oh, sorry, you, didn't, you don't get your vacation. Maybe you should have gotten involved. And that's where both Carrie and I were. 
We didn't realize the level of control the government has on us until they actually physically removed our business. Chained up in a restaurant and forcibly for four stars. Sent the SWAT team with seven feet tall ogres yes, to your bar. <laughs> To deal with much taller some hundred pound bartenders <laughs> that had mask exemptions. I'm serious. That's what they did. So I think, um, you know, having gone through all that and now I'm involved, and that's kind of the message that I've been spreading whenever I've been speaking is get involved. And the fact that you guys are here, you really are the leaders of your community right here just by being here. So thank you very much for that. It takes a special kind of person to not be out doing things on a, was it a Wednesday night? It's a Wednesday night. Yeah, it's yeah. a Wednesday night. Yeah. To not be doing that. And coming here, like, two years ago, if somebody said, hey, do you think you'd want to be going to a meeting at the rec hall on a Wednesday night? Are you kidding? No. But yet here you are. What's a rec hall? I think that's what I That's what I would have said. Yeah, right. We're wrecking the hall. Oh, that sounds like my so, if, if you're not involved directly in APP, at least try and be involved indirectly, or indirectly any way you can. Um, one of the things, too, that, you know, when my kids were growing up um, and going through school, I was involved kind of as, as an arm's length from um, the school council in elementary school. In elementary school, everybody loves you, everybody wants you there, blah, blah, blah. But as soon as you hit junior high, your kids don't want you there, the parents really don't want you there, so I wasn't there. And now seeing what's happening in terms of the indoctrination, what I would say, I would definitely want to be there. As a matter of fact, I may go there even though my kids aren't in school. Yes, and say, what is going on here and how do I get involved? Standing back on, on, I can't even say it, on what's going on. The, the, the sad reality is, not everybody's going to get involved. Um, for those of us who understand and realize what's happening and what we need to do, you kind of have to accept the fact that you have to do more than your share of work as well. Because there's always, there's going to be a lot of people who will not get involved. They just, they don't have the time, or they don't have the energy, or they think you're crazy and everything's fine. But we're going to start looking at those people and, you know, have conversations with them. But at the end of the day, we have to be willing to say, okay, I can't convince that person to paddle the canoe, so I'm going to paddle harder for them. That's our job. And we've got to stop worrying about the, the naysayers and the people that are speaking out against this. I can name off... Oh, at least one um, who constantly naysays and belittles this what what APP is proposing, and I realize it's not because they really think that it's a bad plan or a bad idea, but these people stand to benefit from the current structure. They stand to benefit from the establishment that's abusing everybody else, and that's not going to stop until we make it stop. Maybe they'll just stop on their own. And we've said before, uh, always follow the money, because that's kind of where it ends up going. <laughs> Clearly.
Climate change is a, what, a trillion dollar industry? It will be, if not now. Yeah. Climate change is a trillion dollar industry. We'll find out where those trillions of dollars are going. And, and as a matter of fact, does anybody know what occurred over the last year and a half that was extremely significant when it comes to wealth transfer? During COVID, now this was an estimation and it was about three quarters of the way through. The middle class as a whole, as a group in uh, North America, lost $37 billion of wealth. However, Big Pharma increased their wealth by $38 billion. Now, if that's not an eye-opener for you, I don't know what is. They literally took billions of dollars from us and they moved it to them. But, but wait, the shots were free. I'm going to hit you. <laughs> Nothing's free. I love sarcasm. Nothing is free. Oh, just go get it. It's free. Okay, well. Yeah. Because you've already paid. As a matter of fact, they'll even give you $100 and a chance to win a million. Whose money is the $100? I have no idea. I think it was ours. Was it? Yes. Every Alberta man, woman, and child, regardless of age, pays, as of last year, $4,880 every year for healthcare. Now, that doesn't matter if you don't utilize healthcare at all or you use $100,000. You pay $4,880 just for healthcare. So if you have a family of six, that's $30,000 a year you pay for healthcare. And you also pay a very good chunk of your paychecks to federal taxes. You pay GST. You actually pay GST and on a carbon tax and a couple other taxes. And that money goes to pay for the shots that you're forced to take that don't do anything for you or could potentially hurt you. But where does the money go from those shots? It actually goes to big companies that pay the government millions of, or pardon me, pay lobbyists millions of dollars to influence government policy so that their policy says you have to use their product. A product of which our Prime Minister actually owns shares in one of the key companies that provide a part of that shot. So, do, do, how is that guy not being investigated? <sighs> And do you, do you know that you may, you may have seen the sheet that came out, I think, last week on how much there was an influence on uh, universities and how much they were given? Yeah. Uh, on the average, each university was given $50,000 to promote vaccination and, and anything to do with yep. you know, gender. So were your churches. Your churches were offered that. You should ask them if they took it. If your churches were the ones, you know, some of them telling you to do this and wear your mask and all that, find out why they said that. Or, and this wasn't just churches and schools, this was any organizations. Any organizations that have big memberships were offered grants. They were offered your money if they told you what to do. Do you see how absolutely corrupt this is? This is why there's people that are they're so passionate in speaking out against the current government. All those MLAs, like, a lot of them know this. They're complicit, or they've participated. And this is starting, people are starting to realize this now, and so we're looking at this group of people who wants to be our government, and we're like, 
how can you expect us to get involved in your organization when this corruption is so rampant and blatantly apparent? Like, how can you ask us to support that? How can you ask us to set our principles aside and, and just be in your group because you think you have the best chance of winning? That's why I haven't declared for any political party and said I want to be your MLA. Is because I'm watching what's going on and I'm watching how politics works and I realize that we can influence those people better being on the outside doing things like this. Yeah. That's why I'm doing this. And, and likewise, if you're a It's to tell you, to explain to you, when you probably already know, these are the problems we have, this is how we fix them, and this is what it looks like after. That's what we're telling you. And the, and the short version of the story is, all you have to do is stand up and say enough is enough. That's it. If we stand up collectively as a province and we say enough is enough, we're not doing this anymore, we're not gonna let you abuse us like this anymore, the game is over. But that is my leg up in the world in that I pay attention. 
I know what each party is advocating for, what they want, what they want us to not see, what they want us to see. So if I can tell you anything, educate yourselves. Know what each party platform is. That's your job. And your job. And your job. Know the party platforms. Know their constitutions. And know what they're telling us when it comes to election cycles. Okay, so that, that's a question I get all the time, is when is somebody going to run under the Alberta Prosperity Project? Well, that's not the idea here. The idea here is said already. But what you have to do with that is you actually have to start looking for the candidates who are doing the right thing. They're doing what they know is right, not because they think it's the most popular or it's going to get them elected, but they're doing the right thing. And you've got to support them. If you know of a candidate in any party, who you know wants to do what's right, but that group won't allow them, you have to start telling them, hey, you know what, I would support you if you were in a party that was more aligned with your principles. Do you know how, how many members we have? 8,900? 8,900 <laughs> Can you imagine if all, almost 9,000 members of the Alberta Prosperity Project did this, they did their homework, they found out who was doing what for the right reasons, and who was going to put Alberta on a path to prosperity with, at the very least, a successful referendum on independence, or as, a, as an independent nation. And those 9,000 people started directing these political hopefuls as to what they wanted to see. Our political landscape would change overnight. And as, the, as this movement builds and the numbers build, it would, it would keep on turning to the point where all of the people who want to be our leaders would have to be on this side if they wanted to make government. That also goes towards our municipal governments and our school boards. Get involved, as Carrie said, even if you don't have kids in school, get on the parent-teacher advisory board. Get on the school board. Get on your municipal council because it is you that's going to make the difference. So my next question is: Is Alberta Prosperity Project making headway in attracting members from the urban areas such as Calgary, Edmonton, and Red Deer? I'll answer that. I'll answer for Red Deer and for Calgary. Red Deer, we are just, we've just started our second chapter in Red Deer. So, great news um, Our one chapter in Red Deer on our Facebook page, we have 1,500 members. Now, they're not all members of APP yet, but by the time I'm done, it's going to um, also, in, in the urban centers, Edmonton and Calgary, what we are doing is, because it is a much, I, I want to say bigger, but it's a, it's a microcosm of Alberta, but there's different aspects that we have to do differently. There's different cultural aspects that we have to deal with, different everything. So what we've been doing, especially in Calgary lately, and it has been starting to happen in Edmonton as well, is we're working around the city. 
and hitting all the small satellite bedroom communities to Edmonton and Calgary. As those chapters grow in those bedroom communities, and they're sharing with their friends and family in the city, we are seeing growth in Calgary and Edmonton um, daily. And it's getting exciting, and we're actually working on some pretty exciting things that are going to be happening in end of October and November for Calgary and Edmonton. For Halloween. Well, yeah, Halloween's in October. But so keep watching your Alberta Prosperity website page. There are some exciting things coming. The question about membership comes up all the time. And I think in the back of people's minds, they ask the question because they want to know if they're on the winning team. Now, I'll explain something here. When we started this idea, it was, it was in a shop in Nisku with just a bunch of people who wanted to fix what was wrong and, and end, the, end the mandates and more than that, make sure it can't happen again. We realized it's not a political, there's not a political way to do it. We have to, we have to direct the politicians to do it. So that's, that's how that started. Now, all of the people who are going to come to a meeting because they hear about it and they're in the freedom groups and they've been affected and that sort of thing, They've probably already come to a meeting, or they know what the APP is, or, or along those kind of lines, right? If you want to see exponential mem uh, membership growth and make that winning team, now it's, now it's in your, the ball's in, in your court now. It's in your hands. 8,900 members, 9,000 members. If everybody talked to one friend of theirs, one, and got them to get a membership. Overnight, we have 18,000 members. The APP is doing everything they can with the resources they have and the and limited cash that they have, because things are expensive, to bring people in the door and share this message. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's your job. It's your job to bring more people and get them to a meeting. If, if you can't convince them that this is the right path and they need more information, bring them to a meeting, tell them there's snacks. Just tell them it's snacks, don't even tell them it's a meeting. <laughs> don't actually do that. But you see what I'm saying? It's not, the APP's job is to do everything they can, with the resources they can, to reach as many people as they can, but then it becomes those people's job to build it. That's what grassroots is. It's not about a bunch of people in a boardroom saying, this is where we're going to go to get members. It's about members bringing other members. That's what grassroots is. Can everybody in this room bring one person into the group? Is that possible? Does everybody have one friend? I every day. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I see. Anyway, I hope that makes sense. Okay, uh, the next question is, oh, Britt, you need to come on up here too. I'll just answer or ask this question while we're second. Do you think that the people of Alberta, Canada, will shut down this next round of COVID madness? Will the people stand up this time? Anybody have a guess? I'm going to tell you what I'm going to say. I will. Only if you stand up. That's great. And I'm standing up. Amen, sister. That's a scary question. Because what happens if they do this again and they tell me I have to close my business and mask my employees and do all these things? 
I've already been through this. You're still going through like, this. Like, from, from day one. Not day one. From day January 21. <laughs> and I never stopped up until this day. And now I've got a court in front of me. I've got an injunction. Or I had a, a contempt charges. I spent some little time in jail and on probation. They do it again. I have to continue standing up. Where do you think I'm going to go? Where are you going to go? That's the bigger question. Where are you going to go? If they do this again, where are you going to go? What are you going to do? I can tell you what I'm going to do. If I hear anybody's been, the government's done this type of thing to them, and they throw them in jail like they did to Alex down south there, I'll be in the jail. I'll be in the courthouse, maybe with that bigger truck. I'll be loud in letting the government and the authorities know that I'm not going to tolerate people standing up for themselves and getting thrown in jail. I'm not going to tolerate it. I really, really, really hope that if I end up back in jail, that you folks would do the same for me. Just a quick little story. I don't know if anybody's been to a 7-Eleven lately, but I kind of live there as I'm traveling back and forth down highways. Slurpees, that's, that's basically what I live on. That's why I'm so stuck. But I actually went to a 7-Eleven just this past week. In uh, It's the one on number two near Crossville. It's the uh, Petro-Canada and whatever. There two 7-Elevens right next to each other. It's the first time I've actually been to one and there was no plexiglass anywhere. So I think there's some movement. I think whoever owns those 7-Elevens might be on our side. I hate saying our side because it's it sounds like a team thing, but it's 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 to me it was a positive thing that I saw. Okay, guys. Is the credit union the best choice to bank with in order to try and avoid the digital ID, or will all banks be forced to incorporate it if we are to stay under the federal government? That's kind of a loaded question. Because there's many different credit unions across the country, obviously. Um, and I want to be careful not to not to solicit information or advice. Um, but I will say, I will say that, that the credit union, and this was this was actually um, stated by Danielle Smith. I haven't been able to confirm it myself, but she did she did talk about it, so I feel like I can I can talk about it as well. But the service credit union has been making the moves to go federal. So that's the case at your largest credit union across Alberta that is serving thousands, thousands of members. Um, I, I don't want to speak to too much of which bank, but if you want to talk to me afterwards, I can give you a bit of information on which banks are, are, are ones that I can tell you are affiliated with WEF, which ones aren't, which ones are for sure going towards um, digital IDs. I do think that the digital ID is going to continue until we, we put a stop to it. There was a gentleman that I was talking to earlier and he refuses to give his email address to people who want to send him things digitally. And maybe that's what we need to do is say, okay, we're not going to participate in this as much as we possibly can, but it is a move. It is absolutely a move. One of the banks in Alberta, the main banks in Alberta, partnered with the, the Government of Canada in February towards creating a digital ID. He can say it. He can say it. He's got the freedom to say it. But it was, it was our bank. It was supposed to be our bank. So they have sold us out. Right? 
So there is there is one institution that I am aware of, again, come talk to me afterwards, um, that I know somebody from within the APP has dealt with directly and has had positive uh, feedback with that specific credit union here in Alberta. Fair enough? And both uh, Carrie and Chris alluded to this and kind of answered it. We'll ask the question. What is a straightforward answer to people who say, I'm not going to get involved in politics. I'm not interested in going to meetings. Can you give us something sweet and short to come back with? Do you want to know what I would say? Are you breathing? <laughs> Yes. Oh, I never got the last word. Never had the last word. Yeah. You still have it. Chris. So she has the perfect answer. What's your perfect answer? Just see at the bottom of the falls, sweetheart. Ah, that's a good one. I've got another one, but that is a good one. So. If you're trying to tell somebody about this and they're just not receptive at all, um, what Carrie and I would say is, well, do you want to go for a beer? <laughs> the, the, the reason for that is it's not about the beer. It's about the beer. Um, we need to start considering the relationships that we've uh, that have been damaged or destroyed with our friends and our neighbors and people we know over the last few years, and we've got to start rebuilding them. It's very hard to talk to somebody when you just, you come out of two and a half years of uh, you know I'm like I'm not wearing that stupid mask and they're like you gotta wear it everywhere you're in your car without your mask what are you doing but your best friends that's difficult to overcome or how about oh you didn't take that job that the government said you had to take to protect you and everybody else who didn't do your part and and the other person does has like you took that shot that's experimental that can't give you informed consent and now the leading cause of death in Alberta last year is unexplained and children are having strokes and heart attacks and aneurysms and there's massive kidney failure and cancer is accelerating 4, 5, 8, 12, 50 times as fast as the doctors expect. Those are very, very far apart. So unless you can start getting back to that, hey, let's go for a beer, or let's go for a glass of milk, or let's go to a movie, and you start having conversations and get back to a place where you're human beings again, and then you're friends again, and then you have this level of trust, and you can start having conversations that are different, because the factual conversations, they don't work. You can tell people facts until you're blue in the face, and they will look at you and say, that reminds me, I gotta go book my booster. <laughs> Don't laugh, this actually happens to me. So you have to get to a place where you can start sharing, I hate to say it, emotions, <laughs> connections again. That's, that's, uh, that's my only, I, I haven't thought of anything else besides that. I'm gonna just add a little bit to that. Um, when I'm starting a new chapter in my region, um, my tagline is, and everybody in the UP knows me.